Welcome to Buy My Telingual today. My name is Elizabeth Aitai and I'm your host. My guest today is a Swiss transplant to Silicon Valley. She has traveled extensively and loves discovering languages. Her mother tongue is Swiss German, a spoken only language. She grew up surrounded by sounds of High German, French, Italian, and English. She's fluent in German, French, and English and has basic knowledge in Spanish. Before becoming a mom, my guest was working with tech startups connecting Switzerland to the US. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, it's Thank really you. a pleasure having you here and I'm very thrilled. And as always, I would like to start um, with you introducing yourself by name and um, telling us your country of origin and where you currently reside. Yes, so my name is Charlotte. Uh, I was born in Zurich in Switzerland. I grew up between Switzerland and Austria. Currently, I'm in the US and it's been almost 10 years. Oh my God, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, how many languages do you speak? That is a difficult question. Do you count Swiss German as a special, as, as one language? Because we just count it as one together with high German. Uh, well, from personal experience, given the fact that I do not understand Swiss German at all, I personally would count it as its own language. I'm fluent in German, so meaning high German. Swiss mm -hmm. German is my mother tongue. Mm -hmm. And I'm fluent in English and French. I can kind of have a conversation in Spanish if needed. Mm -hmm. And um, what is your native language? It's Swiss German. And at what age, what are the stages you added the other languages to your repertoire? So Swiss German is a spoken only language. Um, as soon as we have written language, we use high German as it is spoken in Germany. So that is our official language. All government communication, every letter, every newspaper, every piece of written information, every book is in high German. So we go through kindergarten, which is in Swiss German. And as soon as you start school, uh, on your first day of school, you'll um, get introduced to the teacher and the teacher will start in the first week going back and forth between Swiss German and high German and then slowly transition to only uh, using high German. Mm -hmm. So all the teachers and all the students will converse in uh, high German during school lessons. Mm -hmm. And can you remember how it was for you at that young age to have this rad radical switch between the spoken language and then the written one? It is not as radical as it sounds because of the written language being high German and being all around us when we grow up. So that means that children's books are written in high German also. So I started reading letters and, and words before the first day of school. So that is a slow introduction into understanding that uh, the written language works a little bit differently. And uh, both of my parents had good friends that spoke other languages too, French and English, most uh, most of them. So I knew the concept, I understood the concept of language and mm. how there can be different languages. So it was not as abrupt as you would think. Mm -hmm. I see. And um, at what age did you add French and English to your knowledge base? I am not sure. I, I would think... Official school started when I was between 10 and 12 years old. My mom was fluent in um, in French and we had many French 
friends around our house, also among our neighbors, because maybe um, you know that Switzerland has four official languages, French being one of them. So French is uh, very present if you grow up in Switzerland, not only by the people being around you, but also within Swiss German. We have a lot of words in Swiss German that actually come from the French language. For example, we don't use the high German word for sink. We use the French one, which is lavabo. How about learning words from Italian or Romance? For example, I was familiar with uh, the Italian language because... Around me, it was just normal that, for example, the Goodnight song was an Italian song. And because the Ticino, the Italian-speaking part, is so close, it's a three-hour train ride, we would go on vacation there and hear the language there. So it was... Uh, it was just normal to have those languages around. Mm -hmm. That's very fascinating to me. It's very international though it's such a tiny country. Yes, but you grow up and it as being the standard. You you yeah. it is not strange it's not a strange feeling for you. Mm -hmm. Would you say that has opened up yourself to the world more growing up like multilingual? I would definitely say so, because the reward of learning a language was so clear from the beginning, because you, from the start, you learn that you can communicate with people if you speak their language. So it's not as maybe for other kids, they go to school and they have to pick a language and they learn the language and it's awful because you have to learn vocabulary, you have to learn a grammar. And then only later, maybe when you travel, you learn how important it is that you can communicate. Uh, in Switzerland, or for me, at least, it was the other way around. I, it was very clear from the beginning that it is more fun if you speak other people's languages. For sure. <laughs> At this moment in time, which language do you feel most comfortable conversing in? Uh, it is definitely Swiss German. I'm trying to keep it my uh, language number one. I'm trying very hard because uh, I have a child. Mm -hmm. I'm living in the U.S. currently, and I want that child to at least understand Swiss German. How does that go? It goes very well. Speaking is another matter. Mm -hmm. That's my later. We shall hope so. Yes. <laughs> so she's growing up bilingual, right? Yes. So I speak Swiss German uh, with her. Sometimes when we have discussions that include uh, her father, which is an American, I sometimes switch to both languages at the same time or English because uh, of uh, of it being faster. Mm -hmm. Faster compared to Swiss German? Yes, because I might have to explain something to my daughter or my husband. I see. So it's not it's not the language itself. It can be both. It can be a word that either one of them hasn't learned yet or it can uh, be because it's a complicated topic um, okay. cognitively. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time in your life when you experienced a change in the hierarchy of languages used by you? Yes. Yes. So when I was six years old, um, my family moved to Vienna in Austria. And that was the first time that I experienced a dramatic uh, change in my thinking and speaking and writing in terms of language. So you might think that This is an easy transition because Austria is a German-speaking country as well. But their dialect is quite strong. There are many words that are different. And at six years old, I was just starting school. So it's been 
six months of learning high German in the Swiss school and then switching to Austria, which is a different dialect of high German. And that was challenging for me in school to just first understand them at all. Mm -hmm. And later I realized uh, about a year later or so, I started um, speaking Austrian high German. It felt more important than Swiss German. Mm -hmm. So that became your first language more or less. Or very close, yeah. Yeah. And for how, for how long have you been living there? We stayed for two years and then we moved back to Zurich and then we went back to Austria when I was 14 for another four years. And how was that change for you or these changes switching them between Austrian German and then Swiss German? Well, the second time around was easy because I already had friends and I, we kept in touch. And once you learn the dialect and the specific... I say notions of the language, it's so easy. It's so easy uh, to switch. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel fatigue switching between languages? So I really like it when people come together that speak different languages. I have definitely felt fatigue when I started having serious relationships in the US. So uh, when I met my uh, husband and we started spending uh, a lot of time together, I started being tired of, of speaking English all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's the first thing, the first thing you uh, do when you wake up, the last thing you do when you go to bed is speak a, a language that is not your first language. And that at some point was so tiring to me that sometimes I just said things in Swiss German. <laughs> well, he has to learn it eventually, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Oh, good. Well, was there a moment? Now, maybe I should ask differently. What language do you dream in? And was there ever a conscious change when you realized, oh my God, I just had my first dream in French or Italian or English or Austrian? I recall um, some moments when I was uh, waking up and shocked realizing that I dreamt in another language. Most of the time it had to do with uh, friends being part of the dream that speak another language. But right now, I would say still, I don't know, maybe 70 to 80 percent of my dreams are in Swiss German. Mm. And then the rest is in English. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you're very, very connected still to your native language. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to emotional states, like uh, what language do you use? That is such an interesting question, because from the beginning, you know, when I started having friends that... Um, having my own friends that speak other languages than Swiss German. So for a long time, it was my parents' friends uh, that spoke French or English. And at some point, I started having my own friends um, uh, with different mother tongues. And I realized that all the words that are affectionate mm -hmm. are easier in any other language than Swiss German. <laughs> Huh. Or German. Um, I don't know. It seems to be, for me, a cultural pattern. Um, so up to today, it is difficult for me to say I love you in Swiss German. It feels weird on the tongue. Can you say it? Ich liebe dich. But it's like, as I say, my heart starts to beat. It's, it feels almost like a lie or something weird. Does it feel unnatural or is it that your tongue is twisted? I don't know. My parents, it was just never spoken. And I was very loved. Mm -hmm. But those words were just never spoken. Mm -hmm. And 
I recall actually uh, a French family that was friends with my family that I realized from very small that they say, I love you to each other in French. And I was kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but up to today, when I t- tell my daughter that I love her, I tell her in English. Mm-hmm. I try I try to say it in German, but it's, it's so difficult for me. It's, it's a very interesting topic. It's so much easier to say those words in French or in English. Mm-hmm. And I also think it sounds so much la- uh, nicer, you know, if you think about it, like, ich liebe dich. <laughs> well, yeah. it, I love you has definitely a better flow, just like je t'aime. Je t'aime. Yeah, it's very so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Germans are also very scarce with it. I don't know that many French people, but I know the American society and it's a, it's, it's more anchored in the everyday life than it is here yes that might also be one of the aspects how does it feel for you to say ich liebe dich weird i'd rather say english no problem hungarian no problem Um, because i'm thinking about it right now as we speak i feel like it somehow hinders your soul to pour itself out through these ch's it's um inhibiting Yes, I I feel I feel the same. What about anger? Like the opposite of love. When when you're angry, what language do you use then? I can use any if I am incredibly if I'm enraged. Furious, yeah. Furious. <laughs> then it's with German. Okay. I think there are also so many nuances in cursing and the art of cursing. Would you say it's more um now it's weird to say more flowerful? like blumig or more that it has more pictures cursing in Swiss German than in English? I have some very specific curse words in Swiss German that are for very specific things to say. One that I one that I always use when uh, someone is being too busy around me and stressing me is uh, is um, the translation to English would be stress head mm-hmm. and, and it's stress hof. So I'm I'm calling I'm calling the other person and say you're stressing me out. We we do have the five minutes it takes me to get my things ready. Just calm down. Don't be such a stress head. Mm-hmm. So that is, for example, something that I like and that I continue saying. And then I'm not super familiar. You know, I'm. It's been ten years of being in the U.S., but still sometimes I'm afraid that I'm unaware of the of the nuances. Mm-hmm. that a word brings so it is easier for me to say negative things in swiss german because i'm i can choose the lovelier version of yeah. negative yeah uh, i can say uh for example when i when i ask someone to clean up i can say in english i would say clean up your mess which is pretty direct mm-hmm. in swiss german i would say uh i could for example say uh clean up your grusy musi which is a playful way to say this, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of cute. So cute. So, but that is that might be because I'm not aware of the of the nuances in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned earlier that your dreams, uh, or when you dream in another language, it always is connected to the people that in your dreams speak the same language. How about memories? Is it the same, or are there any differences? When I think of memories, it's mostly feelings, I would say. But of course, so if I think of times I spend personally, for example, with you, if I'm thinking about discussions that we had, then I'm thinking in your in the language that we use together. 
or if I recall discussions, then yeah, then that's the language that we used. Mm -hmm. And what about experiences? Like, let's say when you're uh, visiting Switzerland and then you're reminiscing your stay there, uh, what language do you recall? That would definitely be Swiss German. It's such an easy language for me to think of, think in and remember. And Are there any situations you pick a specific language for? It's only what we've... Uh, before when it's about very emotional states mm -hmm. be it either a lot of love or or criticizing or mm -hmm. anger what I consciously do when I travel to countries that speak another language I am preparing myself by trying to only think in that language some weeks ahead of time and that has been very helpful for me because um, it kind of bridges that gap. You know, when you go to a country where you speak the language already, but you haven't spoken it in a long time, it takes a week or two for your brain to catch up. Sure. And if you start three weeks ahead of time before you go on a trip and try to switch your brain to that language, it kind of makes that time a little shorter. Mm -hmm. And that is a very useful trick that I use. And I realized that when I try to switch my thinking to another language to prepare for a trip that I, I realize it comes into my dreams too, that mm. language. That's really smart. I've never done that, but I will try it out. That's it's been smart. very helpful for me um, when I traveled to the countries in, in South America because I never learned Spanish at all. I learned Italian um, in school, but never really liked it. Mm -hmm. Because I speak French and English and German, Uh, getting around in Spanish is, it's still difficult, but it's feasible. But if you prepare a little, um, it's much easier. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of familiarity, right? With French being at the same family. Yes, it makes it, it just makes it so much easier. Just recently, there was a sign in Spanish. I walked, across, I walked by it here in San Francisco. It said, Moyado. It was like a, a red sign, you know, be careful, Moyado. I didn't know that word and it just took me a while. And because in French, when something is wet and slippery, it's mouillé. Mm -hmm. So I was assuming that this means uh, be careful, the floor is wet or something like that. And then I turned a corner and yes, the floor was wet. So if you have those languages in, if you have the structure of thinking of multiple languages, it can help you uh, to find your way around. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Switching between these languages or even preparing or just being being in these different languages. Do you feel the rhythm of each language? And can you describe the changes you feel? This is such an interesting question. I love this because like, especially for when I think about French or Spanish, I feel a change in my heart. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I feel about, if I, if I think about the French language, It makes me feel warm. It makes, it puts a smile on my face. It's such a comfortable, cozy feeling. If I think about Spanish, it's, uh, it's also a very warm feeling, but a little bit more fun. I'm thinking about the music, the dancing, but it, it, that might be just because my travels uh, left me with those memories. I think it's a really beautiful way to put it that your heart is changing because language comes from, from the very inside and mm -hmm. you have to adapt to the intonation of a language. Does it change you physically, first of all, switching these, between the languages and you become a different person? So I understand from a scientific point of view or from schools, you have to define language as a set of words or rules 
But I think in real life, that's not what it is. Um, it's uh, language is entrance to another culture. And in my heart, that is very, very close together. So when you ask me how I feel about French language, I feel like my heart is softer. I am more relaxed. I'm less hard. Feelings are easy. Smiling is easy. Mm -hmm. Makes me feel better. So my whole body is more relaxed um, and calmer. Mm -hmm. And how about Swiss German? That is so hard to say because Swiss German is just, that's how, that's how everything was and how everything is for me. So um, it's very difficult for me to describe that. Mm -hmm. I also get different feedbacks about my Swiss, how I'm perceived when speaking Swiss German. So when uh, a third person hears me speak with Swiss German with very good friends, they describe the language as being soft and round, which is mind boggling to me because I would never describe Swiss German as round and soft <laughs> because of the CH the <laughs> that happens in the throat. I feel it's coarse and it's it's a hard language. That, that just reminds me of you might be really uh, good at learning Arabic because they also have a lot of these throat sounds. I would love to learn Arabic. I would love to learn Russian too, uh, mm. but all of these things are in the future. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, do you um, feel any frustration when using a language? Have you, have you ever felt any frustration? So there was one episode when I went camping with my husband and he asked me like four times if I brought the steaks. And I did not bring the steaks and I said it four times and I started yelling and he started yelling until we found out that those hooks that you use to secure mm -hmm. the tent are called steaks. <laughs> that was very frustrating. Um, um, uh, yeah, so the most frustrating for me is when I can't express myself. It mostly happens when I travel into a country where I speak the language, but I haven't spoken it for a long time. And I have to search for words in my mind. And that is frustrating to me because I know the words there. I just can't reach it. Mm -hmm. And you can't really fully be yourself. Yes. And also sometimes what's frustrating for me is if I meet people that speak another language, for example, Russian, for example, Arabic, Mm -hmm. I would love to speak their language. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the, the occasion or the energy or the time yet to learn their language. Give it another 10 years. <laughs> but I listened to your last episode and I found something very, very intriguing. But, uh, you, you asked someone a question, your last interviewee, you asked her, what language does she use Google in? Mm -hmm. And I've, That was a very, very interesting question because all the tech products, my phone, my computer, everything's set on English. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I catch myself searching in, in uh, other languages that most of the time is high German, but uh, also sometimes I search it in French. Thanks for bringing that up again. And uh, it, by the time I air this interview, it's going to be the pre-last interview. Oh. Uh, and no problem. And it was he, Jin. And that, that is really a good question. I, and I will incorporate it now into my questionnaire because I realized absolutely me too. And it's interesting because depending on in which language you search, that's how it affects the search results. Even if on just like one topic, it can really differ. The most time I do it, it's very simple and very logic that I do it is when I search for recipes for cooking. But sometimes... When I get frustrated with the English search results, 
mm-hmm. just in hope of finding a better result because I'm guessing that there might be less entries in, in German. I search in German. Mm-hmm. When I was still in the US and I would just sometimes, well, not search, but read news in, let, let's say, Hungary and German, Germany. And I would realize how different the news were told about the same topic, something that happened in the US. And it was completely, it was sometimes it was almost turned upside down. So you kind of get an outside view or you get multiple perspectives on the same topic which I don't know how you feel about it. It can become confusing, but it's also enriching. So there, when I moved to the US 10 years ago, I the first some years, I only read um, Swiss or German newspapers. I at some point had a subscription to Die Zeit, which mm-hmm. I loved getting in on the weekend and sitting with a coffee. And mm-hmm. it's kind it's, of like the New York Times, do we agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then I started, uh, I was starting to get interested in, um, American politics and I started reading, uh, American, yeah, New York times. I read a lot. Um, but yes, if I'm interested in a topic, which I try not to, because politics, uh, upset me a lot, but if I try to get, uh, a full view or a lot of information about a topic, then I'm, I'm reading in German too. And I'm even reading like the conservative uh, paper in Switzerland, comparing with the non-conservative paper to get a whole picture compared to the American news. Um, another question I would like to ask you, um, we talked about feeling misunderstood. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were surrounded by people or, you know, midst of group of people who were not speaking the language you were conversing in with someone else. And have you felt any kind of insecurity or hostility from those people? Or To me, most of the time when that happens is when I bring a friend that doesn't speak the language of the main group. Mm-hmm. I When it happens to me that people speak a different language and I get frustrated, then I just ask them to switch the language. I'm not taking it um, personally. And... Uh, The most frustrated I get when I bring a friend that speaks a different language. So to me, it happens a lot of time that I bring people into Switzerland, for example, that speak high German, but not Swiss German. And then I have to remind my friends time and times again that please, we should speak high German, which all of us can do. Then I feel, I just feel sorry for my friend being left out. Most of the time when I spend, um, evenings or dinners with my friends is actually very interesting because of the multiple uh, languages that are are around Mm -hmm. and I just love sitting at a table and having dinner and drinking wine and just hearing how the languages move around the table two people speak together in French then another person joins and they switch to English and I just love I just love the music that it makes it's so beautiful to me And I also have a group of friends that um, I lived together for many years with different mother tongues. And there were words from one language just being taken over to the other language. Mm -hmm. So there were some words that would just be used in French. The whole house just used the French word for this one item or this one state Mm -hmm. of emotions. And so in the sense of like creating a common language, it always puts a smile on my face because I I love when that happens when this 
social group finds their own language. That is beautiful. And that also shows how very much language is alive and how it's yes. really adaptable to yes. circumstances. Uh, I can see that a lot with Swiss German too. When I uh, when when I was a kid, we had words that were very, very, very Swiss German, mm -hmm. and they got replaced by High German words. So, for example, uh, father, mm -hmm. we have a Swiss German word for it is Ankre. Now in Switzerland, everyone calls it Butter. When I was a child, we used uh, to call the cucumber in Swiss German. It was called Kukumre. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely tied to, you see, like the French right. and the English uh -huh. word. Yeah. Cucumber. Mm -hmm. But the Germans, they say Gurke. When I go back to Switzerland these days, the Swiss use the German word now too. They say also Gurke. Mm -hmm. So I see that it's, uh, it's changing. You, you worked in the tech world, right? Yes. How important is language there? It is very important to speak English. Even in Switzerland, a lot of the words that are used when speaking about processes in the tech world are English. Um, so you take over the words. It also, I think, has to do in Switzerland that some of classes um, when learning how to program are exclusively held in English. Mm -hmm. so that they're open for international students, which I like. There is one thing that actually made me smile recently. I had a friend who dealt with the Swiss cyber security department with the police and the police officer didn't speak English and a little bit of catching up to do there. How important is language for you uh, to get a sense of belonging? And you sp you said earlier that for you, language is, is a huge part of or aspect of culture. But what about belonging? I think it is very difficult to draw a line between culture and language. I know it's different and I know there's a scientific separation between the two. For me personally, it's impossible to separate. For me, there was a very interesting thing happening when I came to the US. I, I left Switzerland And in Switzerland, where I grew up and the, the people I grew up with, in your upbringing, it is very important to be humble and not to be too proud, not to stand out too much. And it was very looked down upon people being proud of their country. Um, I was taught that it's good to be part of a group, to make your contribution to a group. It was never a good idea, for example, to hang the Swiss flag, or it was not a symbol we would learn to be proud of. And I came to the US and I met people that were very proud of their country mm. and still not belonging to any political group that what I would call extremist. And after 10 years in the US, I start to like my home country. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say that there are some very, very good things about Switzerland and that I'm proud. I'm proud to be a Swiss person. And that is new to me. And I, I like it. I like it. And do you feel equally proud about your new home, the U.S.? I have to say that there are aspects of the American culture which are very comfortable for me, especially in California. You may say things are superficial here, I, but I honestly, I do appreciate People being friendly 
in the streets. I appreciate being able to, to talk to anyone about anything, anytime. I love that, even if it is superficial. I recently uh, traveled to Switzerland in November. It was very rainy. People had seen rain for many weeks before I got there. And on a Monday morning, I used public transportation to go somewhere. And I cannot tell you the amount of grumpiness yeah. in that public transport. You could literally like smell it. People were grumpy to their core. I feel like when you meet new people or when you move around here in San Francisco, people are very open because they have this mindset that the next person you meet could be life-changing for you. Yeah. You could say it's about opportunity. And it really also is. Like you're open to see what a new person can bring to you or a new situation. And in Switzerland, is less the case. Going back to language, uh, I think it was interesting what you said prior when we were talking about cursing. And you said that you love to curse in in Swiss German, not only because you have more variety there and you know the language in more depth, but also because it feels more comfortable. I'm becoming very aware of German again, which I haven't been for 10, 12 years. There are so many negative expressions which people are not aware of that they're using. And it's so deeply rooted that can draw people's attention to it, but then they won't understand. And those are things like that within a culture and then within language itself. It just has such a deep effect on the everyday life. When we, when we, when the Swiss are joking about the Germans. Mm -hmm. We make fun of their directness in language and yeah. the, the missing diplomacy. It's a little rough. It's kind of, it's kind of like in New York, it's similarly rough. Would you say you belong to the U.S.? No, 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 no definitely not. I'm, I'm, I have uh, my heart in two countries right now. And uh, that is an enormous luxury because I can uh, choose. I am free to choose which of the two countries I spend time with. I am free to choose which culture I use when handling different situations mm -hmm. that might be very different regarding business. That might be very different regarding how I up how I think about the upbringing of my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, so whichever situation I'm in, I have at least the choice of those two cultures, places, languages to fall back on. And that is a, a big luxury for me. You being uh, between these two countries, do you consider yourself a migrant? And then also, how do you define a migrant? Well, for me, a migrant is someone that leaves their country to go somewhere else and starts a new life. I think I am a migrant. I would not emotionally call me one because you, I told you how I started to come to the U.S. It was first three months and then another three months mm -hmm. and then uh, getting a visa and then staying maybe for a year or two. So there was always a like somewhat of a of a limitation in time that that was in my plans until my private situation changed a bit. If you ask me if I'm a migrant. Considering my definition, I have to say yes. I don't know. I feel like there's so many places on earth that I'm free to go to, which is another luxury because of my Swiss passport, because I accidentally was born in Switzerland. I have the freedom to go to many places in this world. I think of it more in a, in a bigger concept of the world being available. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a very luxurious, very comforting, very big feeling of freedom. That's beautiful. I know not all people have it. That's no. why I say it's such a luxury. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Also, this podcast, I think we all are migrants and we all came from somewhere and we all have histories of moving around and it will become more and more. And just uh, opening up yourself towards other cultures and languages and people from different backgrounds, like losing that fear of uh, being in touch literally with someone who doesn't speak your language fully, right? Or to the same depth mm -hmm. as you do. What do you think of the idea of a universal language? I like the idea in the sense that it would be uh, helping people understanding each other. I do not think that there's a world ahead of us with just one language. I mean, if I have a group of friends that after three or four years develop their own words within Zurich, then I'm thinking that language is such a big part of culture that we will use it as inclusion, exclusion, definition of group, definition of home, self, cultural belonging. Uh, I think it's so deeply rooted in how we live our lives that we will not be able to abandon um, those languages. And I love the languages. I love how many they are. I love how different they sound. But uh, I think it makes sense for everyone to have one language in common. That's why I'm interested in learning Arabic or Russian or Chinese. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's almost a different planet. Mm -hmm. that's out there for me to discover if I were to speak Chinese. It's true, yeah, you dip into different worlds. Yeah, and it's so far away that, that I feel like the English-speaking countries or Europe and the Americas are part of one world and then Asia is so far away and I, I, will, I would personally love to discover that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today again and for your interest in my guest's stories. I really appreciate you. You're welcome to support this podcast with a generous donation or by collecting my artwork. Until next time, be well.